0: Amen. All right, let's see if we can go for two for two, right? You ready, Bobby? All right, check it out. It all began just like any other average workday in this bustling desert city. People were leaving for lunch and they were eager to get a bite to eat when all of a sudden one of the largest explosions in history was about to take place right under this local chemical plant. It all started with a seemingly few innocent sparks from a welding torch inside this company building. But in four minutes time, it created a fire that spread so rapidly it led to three massive explosions. And boy, were they massive. This plant just happened to be storing the exact same kind of chemical used in solid rocket fuel boosters that were used in the space shuttle Challenger that exploded just two years prior. In fact, the explosions were so huge that they actually measured 3.5 on the Richter scale and was compared to the same force of a one kiloton air blast nuclear detonation. And basically, as you can guess, the plant disappeared. Okay, But that was just the immediate area. The impact was felt for miles away. Shockwaves destroyed nearby buildings in its wake. It destroyed cars. It, It downed power lines. Windows were shattered. Walls were cracked. Doors were blown off their hinges. And structures were impacted as far as 10 miles away. And when the smoke and dust had finally cleared the explosions, they killed two people, injured 370 others, and created $100 million worth of damage in a matter of seconds. Listen, it was the largest domestic non-nuclear explosion ever recorded in history. The year was 1988. The disaster was... PepCon, praise God, this two and two turned us mic. Dude, weeks in a row, he finally picked something we can get. That's right, the PepCon disaster in Henderson, okay? And again, we all can get that one because guess what? A lot of you. I live in Henderson. That's right. That's the conclusion there. Okay. But. Uh, and, and how many guys would agree. Hello. Especially being a local. In, with that event. If you're here in 1988. That was a horrible disaster. Right. We can agree on that one. Okay. But with all due respect. To those who lost their lives. And the calamity that went on. With the Pepcon disaster. What if I were to tell you. I know a disaster. That makes Pepcon. That explosion. Look like a mild case. Of desert erosion. You see. You got to make it rhyme wrong. Every single week. And that can be tricky. You spend hours in that office. What rhymes with. throat? No. I'm just Kidding. But 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 seriously, that's what's going on, folks. And, and what if I were to tell you this disaster? It didn't just occur at one uh, place, one city, one plant, one country at one time. But this disaster, in all seriousness, is going on right now, today, all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries, folks. Once again, we're talking about the satanic war on the Christian. Again, the facts are this: we've got to wake up, folks. Okay, to this fact. We Christians, we don't battle here once in a while. Are you kidding me? We go to war every single day, right? Whether you like it, love it, see it, believe it or not. The folks, the facts are this the moment you got saved, you entered into a spiritual war. Okay, against a real-life demonic host whose sole purpose is to destroy you and to extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. And so once again, in order to stop getting duped and unnecessarily so beat up spiritually all over the place as Christians, we're gonna continue our study, the satanic war on the Christian. And again, we've already seen by way of recap, if you're gonna win a war, it's common sense. What's the first thing you gotta do? You gotta know who your enemy is. We already dealt with that way back in the day, okay? The second thing we saw is you need to know what your enemy is like. The third thing, the tactic of your enemy. The fourth thing, the destruction of your enemy. The fifth thing, the temptation from your enemy. And the last three times we saw the sixth thing was the protection from your enemy. And talk about being good to me in the song there. God is good to us, right? We saw the great news. He has not left us hanging high and dry when it comes to dealing with spiritual warfare. Anybody glad about that? Right? He could have just saved us and said, you're on your own. Right? Here comes the devil and demons. They're going to get you every day. boy. He, he does it, man, this is what our whole study's all about. He has given us, listen, not just some protection, his full-blown protection, his amazing weaponry, what? To stand our ground and to be victorious in how many situations? All situations, every single time, spiritual warfare, if, there's the caveat, you just do what he says to do. Right. So we've been tearing apart this armor, this aspect, Ephesians 6, and the first thing we saw about, it's designed for war. Hello. Okay. And then the last two times we saw that it's designed for victory. Okay. It's not not my armor we saw. It's not your armor. It's not armor you go buy at the shop. Okay. Made of plastic and it's going to fall apart. It's what? It's whose armor? It's God's armor. So logically, biblically, contextually, what does that mean? Does God ever lose a battle? Does he ever lose a fight? Can he lose a battle? Can he lose a fight? No, he's God. This is whose armor? God's armor. So therefore, once again, you just do what he says. You put this stuff on. You cannot lose if you just do what he says. Okay, so we said it's clearly divine for victory. Now, we saw that three different ways. We saw the need for victory right there in verse 12. Remember that? It told us the problem. Guess what? Not all of our battles are against what? flesh and blood it's not just physical what you go through in life sometimes it's what it's spiritual against who against principalities and powers we saw before against a real life demonic host that's the the bad news the concerning news okay but we saw praise god god gives us a solution for victory right 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 before verse 12 that mentions the the battle that we're in right in verse 10 11 and then below it 13 sandwiched in between god gives us what do you do he says two things how many things Two things. How, what are you going to every day when you experience spiritual warfare, what do you do? You stand strong in God's mighty power and put on the full armor of God. That is it. Right? Now that led to what we saw last time and that was the mistake for victory. And instead of just doing the two things that God says to do, there's people out there in these so-called deliverance ministries and they come up with all their man-made techniques that not only don't work, but frankly, honestly, I think oftentimes invites even more trouble. Okay, not to mention it's a horrible witness to the loss. You guys remember that news broadcast for those people that supposed, with all due respect, Deliverance Ministry Church, and every day at the end of their, every Sunday at the end of their service, they were supposedly barfing up demons in their bed and coffin. It's even the lost looks at that and goes, come on, are you serious? So not only doesn't work, it's a bad witness. Don't make the same mistake uh, as those so-called Deliverance Ministries. Okay, but now that leads us to the next practical step, Okay, in our study on the armor of God, right, and we saw God says, "What do you do? How many things? Not twenty-five. Remember that big giant list right, from last time? Not twenty-five, right? Just two things: you stand in God's mighty power, and you put on the full armor of God. Now we saw, well, that's Christian ease, right? We get up and says, "Hey, Ryan, are you standing in God's mighty power? Have you put on the armor of God? What's he going to say? Uh, yeah, Pastor Billy. yeah, right." But if I were to say, let's break it down practically, what does that mean? Oftentimes as Christians go, I don't know, but I'm doing it. Well, if you don't know what it is, how can you say you're doing it, right? It's one of those games that we play as Christians, right? It's Christian-y, stand in God's mighty power. Put on the armor of God, you betcha. Right? It, that's what we do. So I want, that's why I want to take the time. What in the world's really going on here so we can do it? Why? Why do we do this? Because God says, you do what I say, you what? Experience victory. That's what I want. Don't you want it? So that's what we saw. Last time we saw, how do you practically then get in and stand God's mighty power? Well, we saw that you become a glow-in-the-dark saint. You get charged up with God's power by what? All what we call the Christian basics. By daily Bible reading, daily prayer, daily witnessing, daily listening, singing to God-honoring worship music, daily fellowshipping with godly Christians. You know, again, all the Christian basics. Why? Because every single one of those things puts us closer to the light like a glow-in-the-dark suck. And once you get charged up every single day. It's not just something we Christians do it's not just something we should do it's the practical way that you stand strong in God's mighty power that's it right and that could answer why oftentimes why we're so weak and ineffective and powerless is because the enemy's tricked us into not doing the basics anymore right okay now that's how you do that but the, the second part there that was part one the second one we saw is what you don't just stand strong in God's mighty power what do you do what's the second step put on the full armor of God And so again, that's my question, how do you do that? What is this armor, and what does it mean to put it on? Does anybody else want to know? Praise God, all three of you. I feel encouraged today. (laughs) But uh, okay, but hey, don't take my word for it. Let's go figure out what is God saying here? What does he mean so we can get this right? Why? So we can experience his victory, amen? Go to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter six. Let's go back to that text. What is this armor, and how do you practically put it on? right, what's it mean? What's it imply? Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 20. Let's grab the whole context of the daily spiritual war that we are in and how in the world do you stand strong and not succumb to all that stuff that's going on. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 20. Let's take a look. And what Paul says. Now finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, right? Put on the full armor of God, Keyword there, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, why? Because it's not make-believe, man. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because of that, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. Well how do you do that? How do you... Well here you go. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and and the the sword of the the spirit, okay, uh, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, Paul says, words may be given to me so that I will, what? will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may uh, declare it fearlessly as I should. You may be seated there. Now I want to again grab the whole context and we're going to start tearing this thing apart. Uh, But but again you can see this whole passage from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 20 basically again is God's solution to dealing effectively with the spiritual battle that we are in. Again two things that's it not a hundred. You don't need to scream at a demon. You don't shout at the devil. You don't bind the spirit none of that stuff right with all due respect you just stand strong in his mighty power and you put on the full armor of God right now let's start tearing apart that second solution there the Greek actually says when it comes to the armor we saw this before you don't just put it on you put it on right now the 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 impetus in the Greek with the verbiage there is it's urgent you put it on Okay, and it's a once and for all decision. You're totally committed. I've got it on and I will never, ever, ever, ever take it off. This is now the way I live. I put the armor on, I keep it on. Now, remember we saw last time the power... When you stand, the first part of the two-part solution, the power standing firm and standing in God's mighty power, was something that we, in the Greek, are to be constantly strengthened in day in day out. Right? We constantly read the Bible. We constantly have godly fellowship. We constantly pray. We constantly why? Because you're constantly being charged. Why? Because we are constantly in a battle that is trying to draw the power of God away from us. And just like a battery, it doesn't take long to run out of charge, right? So you're constantly being charged up. But the armor is a once and for all decision. The urgency is now. You better take this series. Don't delay. This is serious. Why? Because we are in a daily battle. Remember what the word there struggle went? Struggle is not just against flesh and blood. What was the struggle? The struggle there was a wrestling term. It literally was a term. It was a hand-to-hand combat. Every single day we're just, ah. And what was the goal of the word that was used there? It's a hand-to-hand combat with the goal of putting your foot on somebody's neck long enough and then they would give the order to die. That's the word, serious word, that Paul uses when it comes to the struggle that we're in. It is a daily struggle we're in. We don't just need God's power. Okay, during that struggle, we need, listen, his supernatural military equipment. And that's basically what it is, okay? It's God's heavenly two bang punch of dealing with spiritual warfare, okay? So now, that's what he says. You put this armor on, every last piece of it, you put it on now, we're serious about it. And then he wants to make sure you understand what that armor is, every last piece. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start tearing it apart, piece by piece. How do we experience this victory? Let's just do what God says to do. And that brings us to the third thing we see about this armor, it's designed to wear. And I gotta bring this up, because you would think it'd be common sense. This is designed to wear, right? The equipment from God, this armor, is not something that we look at. It's not something we stick at the wall. It's not something we stick next to the plaque. It's not, it's not something we stick next to that family Bible that's eight feet long, 900 pounds, on the coffee table, so that when people come by, they're impressed at our spirituality. Look, there's armor of God on the wall. I am a mighty Christian. No, it's not that. It's not something that you know, we do at the cross. Makes you wonder, do we even understand what we got around our neck? We, like a, it's not some Christian religious symbol. The armor is not something we look at. The armor is not something we stick on the wall. The armor is not something that we stare at to collect dust. It is designed to wear. When the military gives you a uniform, they hand it to you as a private. The very next step is this. Ah, well, maybe one of these days I'll put it on. Right? Now I'll wear this piece. I don't like those pants. Could you got another pair? Those just really clash with my socks. Are you kidding me? When the military gives you a uniform, and certainly when the military gives you your battle gear, it's expected to what? To wear. It's the same thing that's going on here, okay? God says you put this on. It's designed to wear. It's not designed to look at or stick in the shelf or I'll get around to it. No. In fact, he not only says put it on. He says there, put the full armor of God. It says it more than once there. For emphasis, right? In fact, literally in the Greek it says, put on the complete armor of God. And again, you would think that would be common sense, but listen, this means every single piece. I need every bit of this. I can't have one of these pieces not on me at all times if I'm gonna experience that victory. I need all of God's armor. I need all the battle gear he gives me. I need to put it on. I need to put it on now, Right? Just like in the service, they give it to you for a purpose, you're to wear it, it's not there to make you look cool, it's there to protect you, right? It's there to help you, so put it on, okay? So, that emphasis said, let's see every single piece that God says, you put this on, you put it on now, you leave it on, you need every last piece, so let's see what those pieces are. Now, the first piece, he says, you better put it on, and you better put it on now, you better leave it on, and you better take this serious, and you better do it now, and that is the belt of truth right? The belt of truth. Let's go back to that first piece of supernatural military uh, uniform, combat gear, if you will, from God. Here's what he says, Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, if only I knew how to stand firm. How do you still know what? Stand firm then. Here's how you do it. He starts to tell you with the what? The belt of truth hanging on your wall to impress your Christian friends. No, the belt of truth to what? To be buckled around your waist, Okay, This is basically God's first piece of supernatural military equipment that he gives us to effectively struggle and to stand our ground and experience the victory he's already given to us. And he simply calls it the belt of truth. Now, I'm not a mind reader, I'm not a prophet nor the son thereof, but I think there's a sneaking suspicion. There's a question going through your brain right now. I think I can get it right. It's simply this. What's the belt of truth? Right, anybody? That's the big question, right? Okay, that's one again, that's a Christianese phrase. The belt of truth. Sure, I'll do that. What's you talking about, Bob? Right, later. What, what is the belt of truth, right? So let's begin to examine what is God dealing with here. Now, what we're going to see with all this equipment, starting with the belt of truth, Paul is basically using an analogy. And the analogy, because again, we're in a battle, so he looks at somebody else in a battle. Of his day, it would be a Roman soldier, right? Now, and so he begins to take a look at them and take a look at what they need for victory, And then he says, spiritually, here's what you need, Christian, for the daily war that you're in, right? Now, this makes total sense. You're going, to like, why, of all things, would he pick a Roman soldier? Well, just kind of a neat side note. Most people believe that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in about 62 AD, okay? And it was during this time that Paul was in prison, right? So guess what he would have been chained to? Guess what he'd been surrounded with? Roman soldiers. So he's using what he's got around him to describe the daily battle we're in. So just before we get into the belt again and start tearing that apart. Let's take a look at the whole enchilada, the armor that was worn by a Roman soldier. What is Paul trying to get across to us? Let's take a look.
1: Did you know this very minute there is an unseen war going on? Today the devil has shot flaming arrows at you. Those arrows can be thoughts saying, don't do it, you'll just fail, you always do. I know it's wrong, but go ahead and do it. God will forgive you. Don't let them get away with that. Make them pay. These thoughts will destroy you. The good news is that God has given us armor to protect us and to fight back. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you have this armor on right now? The devil is ready for battle. Are you?
0: Well, that's the question, isn't it? And that's what Paul says there. The devil is ready for battle. Remember we saw there back in verse 12? right? They work in a hierarchical structure. They're working together, man. They're working in order, what? To daily try to go out there and get us uh, as a Christian. But that's the question. The devil's ready for battle. How about us? And this is why Paul is using this Roman soldier and all the armor uh, as an analogy. Because he's reminding us, listen, Christian, this is not a cakewalk. We are in a war, and just as it would be goofy, and just as it would be suicide for a Roman soldier to go into a battle every day, let alone any time, without your armor on, right? without the weapons, that would be, he said, it's the same thing, Christian, it would be goofy, it would be spiritual suicide, why would you do that? Okay, and that's why he begins to start to tell us to get this on, get it on now. He's using a common day, everyday analogy that the church certainly at that time would be familiar with. But again, we don't... How many guys realize that you don't live next to a Roman soldier? Can you please raise your hand? Please, more than three of you from the last time I asked the question. <laughs> I feel a little better. There's still about 25% of you. I, I don't know. Did, Pastor Tom, did somebody load up the sanctuary with mannequins to, to crank up the numbers? Or I don't know what's... <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a technique. I don't recommend it, but let's move on. Uh, but it, we, we don't live around Roman soldiers, right? So we, the church at that time, knew exactly what Paul was talking about. Oh, wow, what a brilliant analogy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But us, we don't, we don't know. So we're going to take a look at that soldier's uniform, the weaponry. Now, i got to say this too. This is a, it's a real weapon. Uh, there's real weapons. There's, it's a real uniform that was really worn by Roman soldiers, Okay, uh, it, it was literal. Okay, but it speaks of a spiritual truth. Do you understand that? Yes. We don't go down to this Christian bookstore and get a a plastic belt of truth, right? I just see those in the Christmas plays all the time, and certainly Easter plays, right? And get that get that plastic helmet that never really fits right, and it actually hurts your head if you've ever been that volunteer. I'm not bitter about it. And then that little plastic rivets on the inside that get your head and go, oh, you're. Hey, you make sacrifices when you serve the Lord, but <laughs> it's not—it's not that. Okay, it is. It spoke of a literal armor, a lip, literal uniform, uh, a literal gear. Okay, but it speaks of a spiritual truth today. But that doesn't mean. That there's something literal that you and I don't need to take away from that, okay? The armor is symbolic of a spiritual, literal weapon, a literal truth, literally a mindset that we need to adorn literally every day, okay, of our spiritual warfare uniform, okay? Now, sometimes we have to use common sense biblical interpretation rules to understand what is this meaning, right? But sometimes God fills in the blank for us, right? And I'll just give you one, uh, get, a, get a little ahead of myself here, example. Ephesians 6, 17 says, you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, <laughs> if only I knew. I just got to know what the sword of the Spirit is. If only, maybe if I pray for at least a good three years, fast, go to those conferences with, fasting conferences with meals included, you've been there. And it's just, if I just, please God, if only it. He tells you, what's he say? The, the, right, the sword of the spirit is what? It's, it's the word of God, okay? In other words, it's the Bible, okay? Sometimes, my point is, the Bible tells us literally, What that piece represents. Other times we have to figure it out by the context and common sense biblical interpretation rules. And so it is with this first piece, the belt of truth. It's not a literal belt that we go down to the Christian bookstore. Okay. But it speaks of a literal spiritual truth that we literally need to adorn ourselves with every single day. So let's take a look at what the Romans did with this belt so we can understand spiritually what Paul's trying to tell us, okay? And the first thing we see about this belt that the Romans wore is it held all things together. I mean all things together, right? Let's take a look at what it is. Because it's not typically what you think like a normal belt or just, you know, a skinny little thing right here with a belt buckle. Much, much different than that. Let, let's take a look at really what's going on. A Roman soldier's belt was also known as the cingulum militare. For those of you hooked on Latin... It was a piece of ancient Roman military equipment in the form of a belt with what? Metal fittings. Okay, the belt was broad and composed of sturdy leather. Okay, there's probably a better picture of it there. And from it hung overlapping skirt leather straps. Do you see what it is? It's not just a belt, but what's hanging down on there? Leather straps. And also notice in the leather straps, there's what? There's holes in it. They're meant to attach stuff with, okay? It's like an apron. It's got decorative rivets on it. It was worn with the tunic, the outer garment, kind of like a big flowing robe, right? Okay? It was worn with that at all times, and it formed the central piece to the soldier's armor. You can lose some things, but don't lose your belt. Why? Because the belt held up the rest of the equipment securely in place. From the belt hung specialized hooks and holders on which they secured the scabbard that contained the dagger, the pugio. Uh, the, the quiver uh, hung there, which, which held the lances. Uh, an apparatus on which to rest the large battle shield. We'll get to that next time, Lord willing. Also on the belt were clips with which to hold the, the breastplate is what we'll get to next time. And in the proper place, and even your supplies of food, bread, oil, and water, were all attached to this belt. Do you understand it? This is what is going on here with this belt. It's not just like a normal weed say belt with a big old darn cowboy buckle, right? It's not that. It, yeah, it's kind of big and it's broad, but what's hanging down from this thing? These straps with these clips on it and these holes to clip things into place. This basically, to use a vernacular, it's like, you go, it's like a multi-purpose tool belt. You see what's going on here? Right, you go to Home Depot and you want to feel like you're a really manly construction worker. <laughs> oh no, you don't just wear a belt. What do you get? You get that belt that costs $5,322. And it's got a place for your cell phone. It's got a place for the hammer. It's got a place for the, the, the tape measure. It's got a place for your lunchbox. It's got a place for everything. It's got a place for the power drill. It's got a place for all of And you're walking around like this because it's 500 pounds now. But hey, you're looking cool. Look at that guy. He's a construction worker. Right? It's one of those belts. Right? And that's really what was going on here. This thing wasn't just a belt. It hung all kinds of stuff. right? And, and, it's, and, and not just stuff. It was stuff that you specifically needed in the midst of a battle. It it wasn't just designed to carry things. It held everything together that you needed to fight. And without it, everything fell apart. You you had no place to hang your dagger as a soldier. You had no place for the lance. You had no place to securely uh, uh, buckle the shield there. Uh, you, You couldn't really have a place to secure your breastplate. You couldn't have a place for your food supply. Basically, without this belt, the Roman soldier was toast. You had to have this belt. And do you see why Paul's mentioning it first? The belt held all things together. Okay, now, so that's what it means literally. So spiritually, what is Paul talking about? Well, let's go on to the, that's the belt. He didn't just say, and wear that belt. He said, wear the belt of Truth. So now he defines where he's going with this belt that literally held all things together. And he fills in the blank for us. It's the belt of truth. Now that's the Greek word aletheia. And that means what? That which is objectively true in any matter pertaining to God, the duties of man, moral and religious truth. I'll say that again. It means that which is objectively true in how many matters? any manner pertaining to God, the duties of man, moral and religious truth. Now, that's the problem with the world. They want to make up truth as they go. But as a Christian, we know better, okay? When it comes to truth, who determines truth in any matter, certainly about God, who he is, our duties, moral and religious truth? Who determines truth? God okay Jesus in fact he said he is the truth John 14 6 I am the way and the truth not a truth the truth the life nobody comes to the father but by me and we also know that God is not just the truth Jesus is not just the truth okay but where do we find that truth It's in the Bible, okay? What we call the word of God, okay? And that's why Jesus later says this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. If only I knew what was the truth. Who is the truth? What'd you say? Thy word, your word, God, is the truth. In other words, he's saying the Bible is the truth. So truth is determined by God. It is God himself. The Bible is the only book where we get that truth, okay? So back up in the context. Paul says the first thing you got to do if you're going to put this armor on and you better leave it on and you better get it on now, you need to put on the belt of truth. What's he talking about? You need to put on every single day. You better put it on now. You better take this series and it holds all things together. It's called the... Right here. We just translated what he's talking about. Confidently, in common sense, understandable terms. Paul says, Christian, every day, in the spiritual battle here it is G- get the truth on get the bible on right how many of you guys seen aaron rodgers how many of you guys a green bay fan how many of you guys not <laughs> Dude, we'll pray for you right so <laughs> one thing that aaron rodgers does what's he do when he makes a touchdown discount double check <laughs> right that thing right And this is what Paul's saying, right? Every day when you get up, don't do the discount double check. Do the God's word double check. Get the Bible around you. Right? That's what he's saying here. Every single day, Christian, you better get the truth on. Okay? That's about as common sense as I can get. And you're thinking, well, why? Because again, God's word. What was the purpose of the belt? That belt wasn't just something. It what? It holds everything together. The belt kept the Roman soldier and all his equipment from falling apart. And we need the word of God for that. Right? That's all he's saying. Common sense. Okay? One guy puts it this way. To be clothed with God's truth simply means that we are to be sincerely committed to the truth now. Every single day. In other words, I am totally sold out to who God is. I'm sold out to what God has done. I'm sold out to what God has said. I'm yielded to him. It is the truth. It's his truth. He is the truth. And I'm completely surrounded and surrendered about what he says about life. And you say, well, what's this got to do with spiritual warfare? He says, listen. Do you not realize this? Christian, every day we live in a dark, deceptive, lying world. In fact, the Bible says the devil deceives the whole world. In fact, in the Greek, the present tense is used, which means the devil is constantly deceiving the whole world, which means every single day, everybody is constantly being deceived by the lies of the wicked one. And so what's God do to counteract that? To engage in this battle. God gives us his word. Because it's the truth. And if we're going to stand firm in the fight of this darkness and deception, we've got to put the truth on. We've got to wear the belt of truth. We've got to wear God's word around us. Why? Because it's His armor that we counteract the constant lies and deception that we are in so that we don't fall. It's what keeps us spiritually together, it's what keeps us from falling apart. And I'll just say this, Christian, if it's constantly just nothing but everything is falling apart and you walk with Christ, nothing seems to be going right, you're constantly picking this up, you're constantly. can I tell you something? You need to do this. Get the word of God on. I'll guarantee you somewhere along the line, you don't have the belt of truth on. You need to get back every day before you leave the house and you need to get that truth back on. Okay, that's what Paul's saying there. how serious is. Now, the second thing that's cool about this belt for the Roman soldier, it doesn't just keep things from falling apart, is this thing, listen, has to be put on by me. This was so cool when they came across this in the Greek, okay? And, and, and if you think about it, it's kind of common sense, but I want to bring it out anyway. Paul goes on to say, hey, you don't just, again, look at this belt. You don't just stare at it. You don't just admire it from afar, hang it on your wall. No, 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 right? He says there, what do you do? You, you buckle it around your waist, Right, we we know what it is now. It's God's word. But what do you do with God's word? You buckle it around your waist. In fact, in the Greek, there, the buckling around is parazonumi, and it's in the middle voice. And so it literally is this: you yourself, Christian, you yourself have to fasten on this belt. Only you can wrap it around you. Only you can put on the word of God. Nobody else can do it for you. One guy says this, when Paul says to put on the belt of truth, it's in the middle voice. And what it means is I can't put it on for you. I can't make it happen and you can't make it happen for me. It's a choice that we constantly make every day. We constantly choose to be affected, to be uh, engaged, to be totally committed to that which God says is truth. In other words, his word. It means I'm committed to being constantly surrounded in his word. I alone must choose every day to allow his truth to influence and totally surround this life. The question is, are you doing it? And this is common sense, but I think it's really important. Right? Because we look in all the wrong direction. I can't read the Bible for you. How many of you guys realize I can't read the Bible for you? Well, guess what? You can't do it for me either, can you? I can't do it. That's what he's saying here. You can't read for me. I can't do it for you. I can't make you go to Bible studies. I wish I could. What is that? That stables commercial? It's got that big easy button. You push the button and everything just works. I wish I could. I really do. I wish I could push that button. I wish every time I was done preaching a sermon, I could go. They're going to do it, God. I feel so fulfilled. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. I only do what God's called me to do to preach this word. But what you do with it, that's out of my hands. I wish I had that button. I wish I had the button for me. But I can't. I can't do it for you. And you can't do it for me. And that's what Paul is saying. This is an individual choice, right? I can't make you go to Bible studies. I can't make you attend church services to learn the Bible. You can't do it for me. Oh, it's good to be invited. But listen, the best case scenario that he's calling us to here is when each individual takes their own initiative to make themselves constantly every day available to be immersed in the Word of God. Whether that's your own doing, I hope every single day, Christian, you're in the Word of God. Again, you know how the Bible tells us we know when it's not? Things start falling apart. I didn't say God did. That's your acid test. If things are falling apart, get it on. I can't do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. And notice it's not just once a week, it's every single day. Why? Because we're in this battle every single day. Every single day, the enemy's coming to lie. He's coming with his darkness. He's coming with his deceit. So every single day, I've got to counteract with what? With the truth. If you do that, you stand firm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. buckle around your waist. That's all you got to do. But that's the question, are you in it? Basically, Paul is saying, if you want to be an effective soldier, you've got to make your own. The general, the sergeant, the corporal, whoever, the buddy and you, the next to the bunk, they ain't going to put your belt on for you. That's kind of weird. <laughs> and it's the same thing spiritually. You got to do it yourself, okay? Now, it's common sense, but I'm telling you, sometimes we do the blame game. I can't it. No, it's you. You didn't do it and you got nobody but yourself to blame. The third thing we see about this belt is it indicates seriousness and and, and dare I say support. This is cool, okay? Now, some of your translations there, uh, it may not say buckling around. You take the belt of truth and buckle it around your waist. Some of them might use this phrase there, uh, having your loins girt about with the truth or girding your loins with the truth, okay? Now, I don't have time to get into that real deep, but when you take a look at that phrase, girding the loins or just girding, right? Uh, Peter even used it, girding the loins of your mind. Right, basically, when you take a look at that phrase, when it occurs, it talks about seriousness. Seriously alert. But I'm serious. Even talks about John the Baptist, that he had this uh, leathern belt girt around him. Right. Now, nobody's more serious than John. John's a serious dude on a serious mission, preaching a serious word, eating serious health food. Right? Or something with those grasshoppers and honey and stuff. right. But he's a serious guy. Right? And Peter, again, says the same thing. Gird up your mind. Be serious. That's what he's talking about. It's serious, but it also means, listen, it also means a support. Right? Because that, that word there, loins, is literally, it means hip. It's the Greek word, osphous. And it's not just the loin area, it's not just the waist. It was literally referred to an area basically with your rib cage up here and down to your thighs. So it covered up this whole mid section here. Now the loins are, the reproductive parts are in that area, yes, the waist is in that area, yes. But it basically was talking about this area here and, and the lower back. Right, The lower back area for that. And so that's what was going on uh, with this belt. The girding of the loins not only signified that a person was serious, but it means, listen, they had their support belt in place. Did you catch it? Anybody ever have back problems? And you say, man, I should have worn my... That's what's going on here. One guy puts it this way. He says, I don't know if you notice this or not, you young whimper snappers. Maybe you're not old enough yet. But your lower back is what helps you to stand. Can anybody confer? Yeah, right? And if you have trouble in your lower back, you're going to start bending and bowing falling over and stuff, right? He said, years ago, I bought this little car to save on gas. And, And one time, I came to the church facility, and I got out of that car. And when I did, I swung my body the wrong way, and something went wrong. And it went wrong in my lower back, and I actually fell on my hands and knees. I could not get up. I could not stand. Something happened to my lower back, and it brought me down. He says, now, the word here, loins, refers to that area of the back. And Paul is identifying a Roman soldier who wore not just a belt, but this belt was a big white belt. And it not only carried their weapons on it, it also protected their abdomen and also supported their lower back. You see, when they went into combat, it was hand-to-hand combat. And they were constantly digging in, they were standing up, they were digging in, they were standing up, digging in, right? And he says, so they needed something to gird them, support them, strengthen them with that belt, and that's what it did. And this is what Paul says. Listen, we are in a dark world. We live in a deceiving world. When we get up on Monday morning and we walk out to face it, you need God's support belt to strengthen your back. Because guess what you're going to be doing all day, Christian? Mm, Parent, mm, down, mm. All right? And so God's word is used for that. It's to support our back so we can... Stand, and what's the whole theme of this armor? Stand, right? And he goes on, he says, so how do you know when people don't have God's support belt on? How do you know when they're not in the word? He says, simple. He said, just examine their attitude. Examine their behavior. Examine their moods. What they're going through. Examine how they now all of a sudden have a critical spirit. They got a sarcastic attitude. He says, where's that coming from? It's not by chance. He says, the way you think right now is determined by some standard in your life. And if that standard is not God's truth, you've already lost the battle. You've been led astray and you don't even know it. And this is what Paul is saying. This is urgent. The word of God has to be in your life. No wonder you've grown weak in the back spiritually as a Christian. No wonder you're starting to cower down. No wonder you're constantly knocked down. Only the truth of God can gird up your loins so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. And listen, and if you don't do it, remember, I can't do it for you. And you can't do it for me. And if you don't do that, it's your fault. Nobody can do it for you. Right? Right? So anyway, so if, if any anyway, will, anyway, that's just kind of a, uh, an acid test for Christians. I mean, how many, how many, how many Christians do you know that um, we all have hard times? And there's times when we get fumbled and bumbled down, myself included. But the trajectory of their life is not just a string of spiritual victories. It's just constant spiritual backaches. You know why? Because they don't have the word of God on. They don't have the belt of truth on. They don't get into God's word. I mean, no wonder they're lumping around. No wonder they're limping around spiritually in pain all the time. They don't have God's truth sensed around them, supporting them so they can stand in the day of evil. And so what do you do? You've got to get serious. About what? Break it down. Get serious, Christian, about God's truth. Get serious about getting into the Bible every single day. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You've got to put the belt of truth back on every single day of your own initiative. If you're going to stand and experience God's victory. So I want to start a little fun thing. If we remember this. Hopefully it doesn't lead to division. It's meant to encourage. If you see a Christian. And all of a sudden they're just real critical. If you see a Christian man. All of a sudden they're talking. Kind of acting worldly. If you see a Christian man. And their mind is not on the things of God. Just look at them. Say brother, sister. Get your belt on. You're looking goofy. Right? You need to get the truth on. Get back in God's word. You didn't read it today, did you? I'm not here to pick you in the face. I'm here as a fellow soldier. We need every soldier fully equipped in these days. Amen? Get the truth on. That's the acid test. That's what he's saying. Now, that also leads us to the fourth thing about the belt. And it indicates readiness. Okay, this is cool. Girding up the loins also meant not just you were serious. And you had your support system in place. It meant, man, you are ready. right? I don't know if you guys have been uh, tortured uh, as a parent, like I was, with all due respect. I love my kids. But sometimes you sacrifice uh, for your kids, right? And one of the things that we sacrifice was uh, back in the day, finally got so bad I, 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 didn't, I couldn't take it anymore. But uh, that SpongeBob, right? That SpongeBob thing, Right? <laughs> And except it wasn't called Spongebob, it was called G-Bob. That was the vocabulary of the day. Uh, G-Bob eating D-Dogs, which was the code word for hot dogs. But anyway, so, G- anyway, so but, and what's the thing about Spongebob? What's he known for? He comes out of his pineapple, and what's he do? I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, right? And this is basically, in a nutshell, I'm gonna explain it, in a nutshell, what Paul is saying here. This is the benefit of being in God's word every single day. You come out of it, how many guys live in a pineapple? Don't you? <laughs> Right, we don't live in a pineapple, but where I'm going with this, you come out of your house every single day, right? You're immersed in God's word. You should open up that door as a Christian. You're going what? The spirit of SpongeBob's all over you. I'm ready. I'm ready, and that's what he's talking about here. The the girding up your loins, man. I'm ready to fight. I am. I'm. I'm I, everything's in place. The uniform's on. The combat gear's on. I've got everything I need. I'm prepared for action. I'm ready. Right. One guy puts it this way. He says, girding the loins pictured the fact. Listen. That the Orientals would often tuck their long float remember the the, the robe that they would wear, the tunic? Again, it's like, kinda of like a bathrobe. How many of you guys are glad that we don't wear bathrobes wherever we go? Nice in the house, but not in public. Okay, but anyway, so that's what they wore. But but they would often, they would they would tuck, they would pull up, because you know it went way down here, they would pull up this robe thing, and guess where they would tuck it in? In the belt. Right? And the reason why they did that is because obviously it's kind of hard to work with a robe on. It's kind of hard to run with a robe on. In the case of a soldier, it's really awfully hard to fight with a robe on. So what would you do when you're ready for action? I'm ready. The first thing you did, you had to have the, the belt for it. You pulled up that long garment and you cinched it in the place. I'm ready to go. All right, that's what, basically what's going on there. Okay, we see this illustration. I don't have time to get into it. Uh, uh, Exodus 12, Exodus 12:11. 12, this is when Moses, right, uh, in Exodus, where Moses records God's instructions to Israel on the night of the Passover. And he's telling me, you got to be ready. Exodus 12, 11. Now, you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, okay? Uh, your sandals on your feet, the staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Basically, it's a call to action. So, guys, it's coming. It's going to come fast. And here's what you got to do. You need to be ready. You need to don't wait for the horn. Don't wait for the signal. Don't wait for the alarm. Get them up now. Gird up your loins. Pull up that robe. Get it ready for action. Do you get it? This phrase meant you were ready for action. Thus, the girded one would be enabled to move unimpeded and be less likely to be hindered or tripped when traveling or in battle. Do You see what's going on there? And again, so if you're going to cinch it up so you don't fall over, fall on your face and just have something always blocking your moves, you had to have the belt on. Now, this is what he meant in with the soldier. The soldiers did the same thing. They wore, that, they wore that long tune. Now, two things real quick. In that culture, that's with the, you know, you, you cinch it up and, and you're ready to go. Nothing's blocking your feet for movement and things of that nature. Conversely, in that culture, when a Roman soldier would slacken his belt, it meant two things. Listen to this. This is cool. One, that meant the soldier was going off-duty. Right? You're going off-duty. Ah, oh, it's time to relax. That's why, back to Peter, he says there is no time to relax. You gird up your mind for action. You put this belt on, you put it on, and you leave it on. Why? Because there is never a day off as a Christian. And how many Christians do we know that act like it's a day off? How many Christians do we know that got the belt off or the belt loosened once in a while, maybe when I get around to it, mentality with the Word of God, and basically you're going AWOL. And then you wonder why things are falling apart and things ain't going right. There is no day off, so you always gotta be prepared for action, keep the belt on, cinch it up, be ready to go, right? Now, also, two, and this is common sense, if you loosen the belt enough, uh, then that meant, in danger, guess what was gonna fall down? The tunic, the thing that you needed to cinch up so that you wouldn't trip in the battle or when you're trying to run and all that stuff, right? Basically, if you didn't have the belt really tight, your pants were coming down, right? Now, that sounds like a song. Right? It sounds like this song. Let's take a look here.
1: Hello, your name is Larry Platt. My name is General Larry Platt, yes. A general? General Larry oh, Platt. Ah, you're a general, right. okay. I want to sing my song called Pants on the Ground. Pants right. on the Ground? Pants on the Ground. Okay, what's it about? need to our pants up. All right. Okay, ready when you me? are. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, with the gold in your mouth. hat, turn sideways, pants hit the ground. Call yourself a cool cat, looking like a fool. Walking downtown with your pants on the ground, get it up. Your pants on the ground, pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. Gold in your mouth, head turn sideways, pants hit the ground. Call yourself a cool cat, pants on the ground. Okay. Hey, turn okay. sideways, okay. hey, hit the ground. How's this stuff cool? You. Cat, looking like a fool. Uh, what? Talking with uh, your pants on the ground. Uh, Boom! Go! Go! Oh. Looking like a fool.
0: <laughs> hey, with the gold in your mouth. Hey, turn sideways, hey, hit the ground. How's this stuff cool? Thank cat. you.
1: <laughs> Larry, what was that song called? Thank you. Pants on the ground. Are you sure? Uh, yes. Positive? Thank <laughs> you. you know i have a horrible feeling that song could be a hit yeah i'm gonna get my pants some, i'm gonna buy some belts after this
0: (laughs) how many guys remember that song and it was a hit man you gotta be kidding me Now, now why did that guy in there man i'm gonna buy some belts after this because it's common sense right you would look like a fool with your pants on the ground right and I'm telling you, folks, that popped through my head when I'm going through this in the Greek here. I'm going, man, this is exactly it. But here's the irony. Listen to this. This is what Paul is saying. With the belt of truth, with, okay, you need to daily buckle it around your waist. You need to gird your loins with it, right? Okay, now listen. Christian, every single day, whether you realize or not, when you get into God's word every single day, guess what? You've got it around. Things are best case scenario. Your pants are up. How many times do we look at, like folks, with all due respect, we see out in society, and we look at him and go, come on, dude. What are, you, what are you supposed to? Pull your pants up. Get your belt on. Looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. <laughs> right? And that's why this song is so popular. Because it's a common truth. We all know that. That's kind of goofy. Get your pants up. Looking like a fool. Christian, spiritually, whether you see it or not, can you imagine what God is seeing from us down here? When you refuse to get the belt of truth on, i.e. the word of God, I can't put it on for you. You're walking around spiritually with your pants on the ground, looking like a fool. I wonder what God sees. I wonder if, for a moment, God were to give His eyesight, and He knows how many people right now that are in this sanctuary, and their pants are on the ground. How many of you guys glad we don't have God's eyesight? But listen, he sees it, folks. Okay, you're thinking you're cool, man. You got everything else in place, right? Hats on sideways, gold goldy. Listen, but you didn't put the belt on. You didn't get into God's word. And so guess what? You're walking around like a fool with your pants on the ground. That's what Paul is saying here. And now listen, lest you think, I couldn't believe this, lest you think I'm being over-dramatic with that analogy, listen. This actually is a battle tactic. Having your loins girded about with the truth. Listen to this, okay? If the girdle was lost, the belt, you lost everything, the garments would fly open and your pants would fall down. Listen, a great battle in the past, we're told, was won by a clever general who told his men to cut the belts of their enemy while they were sleeping. The next morning, when the enemy troops were so busy trying to hold up their trousers, they weren't able to fight and they lost the battle. We are told to be girded with God's truth in the face of the enemy. Truth is what holds everything together. God's truth, it's his word. We need our loins girt about with his truth every single day. We need to know God's word. Unfortunately, most folks are standing there about to lose their spiritual garments. Let me translate it. It means, guess what? Most folks are looking like a spiritual fool with your pants on the ground. Because you never get into God's word. And I'll say this. Before you laugh at any one of these people in our culture today who don't know Christ, I would assume, before you even think anything, number one, pray for them. Don't make fun of them. Pray for them. They don't know Christ. Number two, may that be your visual reminder. Do something profitable with that encounter. Certainly share the gospel, but number two, are my spiritual pants hanging on the ground? Am I looking like a fool? Because I didn't get... God's word on today? That's what Paul's saying. Don't do that. That would be absolutely foolish. And the fifth thing is basically the belt indicated victories, okay? Let's go one more time into the customs and mannerisms. What what is Paul talking about there? The Roman soldier's belt was also worn as a badge of honor, okay? Combined with this sash thing that connected to the belt, this is basically where they had, it was decorated with the emblems. Back to a, a uniform even today, you get certain what? You get certain things you get to put, emblems on your uniform. Same thing here, okay? But it was in with the sash and the belt, okay? A soldier received them and placed them all over this area from the battles that he had fought and the things that he had done, the, the accomplishments. All the medals and the awards of this accomplishment were placed there. Thus the belt became known, listen, as an emblem of accomplishment in battle. And this is what Paul is saying. This is a fitting combination from Paul. Only those Christians who are ready, only those Christians who are serious, only those Christians who are taking the daily initiative to put on God's word every single day, totally surround themselves with it, only those with the sword of the Spirit hanging on the side are the ones who win the medals. They're only the ones who get to go into battle and declare victories. Why? Why? Because they did what God said to do, you put on all that armor, and it all starts off with something that we just say, "Oh yeah, I did that when I first got saved. I was always reading the Bible, and ever since then, your pants are on the ground, and you wonder why you don't get no far. You wonder you're always tripping as a Christian. Why I can't go anywhere? Why it just takes forever to take a step? Pull your spiritual pants up. Get back in the Word. That's the belt of truth. That's what Paul is saying here, in essence. And the problem is, I don't know if you notice this in Christianity. It's like, again, the belt, man, this hung of victories. This is what God says, if you just do what He says to do, you're going to have victory, 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 victory. You're going to have so many victorious stories. Why? Just to boast? No! To encourage the fellow soldiers around you. You can make it. I've been right where you're at, but let me tell you about this experience. And you look at that victory, right? But what do we have today? Most of us, we don't have victories. We either got no victories or victories from long ago. And typically long ago means when I first got saved, when I had my pants up. Right? That's really what it is. We need to get the belt of truth on so that we can get what God has given us. Constant daily victories, not just for our own benefit, but to benefit the people around us. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not interested in this muddling around Christianity. I'm sick of that. One guy had a phrase way back in the day when I first got saved. He called it flesh management. That's all we're doing. Just managing your flesh there and just all this. And, but where's the victory? I want the victory. Christ has given me the victory. That's what I want. I don't want this leftover stuff. I don't want to just, oh, I just, I know nobody. Hey, you're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. I, I want the victory. And I'm not making this up. This is what God says we can have. I want it. Don't you want it? And then you can share that with other people. Listen, brother. Listen, sister. I know where you're at. I got got hit with that one too. Let me tell you what Christ did for me. Let me show you the victory. Do we have any victories? Do we have anything on our belt? Or are your pants hanging on the ground? Because you can't even do something as simple as... Every day you get up, like when you first got saved when you had victories. And nobody made you do it. I put the belt on. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Basically, don't be like this soldier. Here's what's going on every single day as we get ready to close. Comfortable ladies. Where did you get chocolate? I got it from Bravo. You got chocolate?
1: You didn't tell me you had chocolate,
0: man. <laughs> it didn't come easy. I had trade some ammo for it. We could have used that ammo. What do you need ammo for? Not like you can aim. I can't aim. I can't aim. I'll show you. I can- comfortable ladies we could have used that ammo what do you need ammo for not like you can aim I can't aim I can't aim I'll show you
1: You see what he's saying? That's what he's talking about.
0: We don't put on a literal armor, but it literally has a literal spiritual meaning. Just as it would be foolish in the midst of a battle to run and take off without no armor, no combat gear, no weapons, nothing. Are you tired of getting shot in the back, Christian? Spiritually? Every single day? You know what God says? Get the armor on. All of it. Stand firm in, in His mighty power. Put on the full armor, of God, and you can extinguish all the evil arrows of the evil one. You can stand strong, and it starts with the belt of truth. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But if we're going to be faithful, victorious soldiers for Christ, it starts with God's word every single day. How bad do you want victory, and are you sick and tired? Of just nothing but everything going wrong. You know what you need to do. And this is that first piece. So in closing, let's go ahead and stand up. And we got a a cool action point here. Now hold up your Bible. Because that's what we're talking about here. Right? If you got one. If you don't have one, then grab one there in the pew. But hold up your Bible. Right? And turn to somebody. And let's encourage each other in Christ today as we leave. Right? Basically hold your Bible. Look to the person next to you. It involves turning your head. Praise God. Okay? And say, hey, get the belt of truth on. The Bible. You're looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. Pull them up. All right, you may be seated. Now, is that about as practical as you can get? All right, and that's what we're going to continue to do. As we look at the next one, Lord willing, the breastplate of righteousness. Lots going on with that, but we'll see if we can't break it down to be practical as well. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not and the wages of our sin or unholiness is death we don't deserve to go to heaven when we die we deserve to go down we deserve to go to hell now to make matters worse we don't even want to admit this problem that we have that we're separated from god not only now but we're going to be separated from him for all eternity in a place called hell we 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 don't even want to admit that so once again out of love god gives us what's called the ten commandments the ten commandments were god's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray, to to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, The the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this. You shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest, again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved? We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, Then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of 10 of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what he already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state you're headed to hell but here's the good news god said if we would just admit this number one then he could fix it and it gets fixed only one way and that's through jesus christ jesus said in the book of john chapter 14 verse 6 he says i am the way the life and the truth and nobody comes to the father but by me why because only jesus lived the perfect life in our place and jesus died on the cross he took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says, God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against him. And you can actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, We see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty, and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime, and and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time, and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out. And receive it and it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon but they've rejected it and by their own doing they went to the death penalty folks don't make that same mistake for all eternity god loves you he's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done all of it even the sins we don't even know about he wants to pardon you and forgive you but you must receive that by faith today the bible says if you believe in the lord jesus christ if you call upon his name ask him to forgive you of all your sins believe in your heart that god raised him from the grave you will be saved please do that now please do that today because tomorrow may be too late well this has been billy Crone of get a life ministries again thank you for joining us if there's anything that you need if you have any questions Please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.